Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is John. I'm Jennifer. I'm John. I'm Kate Hopple, and I love Bob Goff. Get it out of hey, the way. Okay, you want to hear something cool? Wow. Yes, I do. So the, my yes. friend Virgil Grant just had Bob Goff at his church. Oh, you were telling me that. Do you want to hear something that. sad? Mm. I'm very sad about this. Does it have to do with puppies? No, it has to do okay. with Bob Goff. Then I'm okay. So Bob Goff told him that um, he only wanted to preach at one church over the next five years, and he chose his, which means he's not preaching at any other churches oh, for the next. Good for him. Now, he, my, my friend Virgil, he said, now he could change his mind because he's sure, a human being. Absolutely. But I was like... Then he also told me how much Bob Goff was. And I was like, maybe we won't be having Bob Goff here anytime soon. He's very expensive. He is. And good for him, though. Like, know he, your no, worth and set those boundaries. Good for you, Bob Goff. He wants people to come to his retreats, which I would totally do. I would do. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, they look awesome. How, uh, and he's going to be at the Good for All Conference at Valley Church in Des Moines in October. And Kate and I are going to that. That's right. When is that? October? Yeah, first week. Maybe like, we should do that one instead of Right Now Media. How much is it? Expensive? Maybe like 180 a person. Oh, see, the right now media is 100. A a well, it's 200 for the whole team now. Okay, wow. 200. But for the whole team, you can bring like 18 people. But for also, keep in, but also keep in mind, we mm-hmm. could drive to Des Moines, yeah. come back, drive back to Des Moines because it's a Thursday, Friday, and save your cost in staying and all yeah, especially that. Especially with gas prices at going to Dallas is a lot. Yeah. Is it twenty five? I was twenty five dollars a gallon. That's yeah. that's how much gas <laughs> is. Now. I was wondering what the current in England is. not don't they sell it by the liters? I would what? like a liter of coal. Like, that's weird. Who orders things in liters? That's just odd. Americans are the only ones that don't. I know. So, so <laughs> because we're the leader of a nation. Up. Oh! And on that happy note. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's no. get into the controversial uh, discussion about the metric system. Just the metric system. Yeah. Okay. I totally am like, wow, you're going to go there. Let's talk about the metric system. We're recording. We're, we're going to get into really controversial waters. We're going to talk about things. Super relevant. So metric. <laughs> Versus American standard. Uh, do you guys remember reading, do you remember the Dewey Decimal System? Absolutely. System I that, heard how to what do, do you mean, it in Do you school? remember? They still use it at yeah, but, but, for the, but only at the library. Like, and now they don't you, really oh. use it now, do they? I think they Librarians, do. if you're out there, <laughs> text us back, make a comment. What I would love if all of a sudden we start getting a yeah. bunch of librarians responding yeah. back because we that's our number one listener. Yeah. I mean, there's also like searching the, their library. Yeah, their data. Yeah. Well, I they know because Dewey Decimal works for, but okay, so okay. we are so off, off topic. Switch. And John has been quiet through this whole thing. So t- I just, you know... $25 again. You said talking about Dewey Decimal System. Oh, we, we just, we just, we just, just um, too fast. We just talked it. about it all. <laughs> There's too many things going on. I can't on. deal. I can't deal. That's too mm-hmm. funny. All right, so it's 4th of July weekend. Now, we haven't had it yet, but the carnival is in town. Okay, so uh, what's your favorite thing about the carnival in Clear Lake? I already know mine. Hold on. I have this is my favorite thing right now. This time. This Just year this so year, far. This time. Okay. It's only been a day. This is my favorite thing. Last night we went to go see Top Gun again because it's amazing. Top Gun is incredible. <laughs> that movie will change your yeah. life. I'm not saying it was the carnival's fault, but I think I can say that it's the carnival's fault. <laughs> da- the, 
downtown Clear Lake lost power. Yeah, Did you lost hear? power. We, we were there. There were explosions. Okay, so what happened, because we talked to John Munson, who goes to church here and yeah. also works on the city. John Munson, if you're here, thank you for we going to church here. All your, he was putting in some overtime last night. We were outside, and we heard the surge of Boom. the Transformers. And yeah. we went, Vroom. It was weird. It's crazy. We were, yeah. And we're standing outside with Jude and Jeremy Nicholson and their family hanging out, and we heard it happen. John Munson drives by, and it's like, yeah, there was a branch down on a main, like, I don't know if it was like a transformer or something. Not the Autobot uh, like kind, a but like a real. That's <laughs> 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 my joke. More than meets the eye. So so it wasn't the it wasn't carnival? Oh, my goodness. It wasn't the carnival. Well, we thought the same we, thing. We, like, literally 7 o'clock hit, so movie starts start time should have gone and the yeah. lights started flickering and it was like mm-hmm. and then the generator and then the lights and then the generator and then black screen yep. my nephews were with us and he, uh, he's six and he was very bummered that he didn't get bummered. to see Top Gun and also he thought it was part of the show did saw, they ever did turn you, it back on because yeah. the power wasn't out that long Kay, no then, but we left so okay so when we saw Top Gun and again totally has nothing to do with what we're talking about but uh, we'll make it well fun. I mean well, okay Top Gun the new Top Gun, the, basically the storyline is Star Wars. That's all it is. It's just with, it's with Tom. With, so it's like a ripoff of the Bible, Savior story. <laughs> yes, exactly, 100%. <laughs> ripoff um, of the Bible. And there's a rooster. His name well, is Rooster. The rooster crows three times. We've now figured it out. It's the Bible code in Top Gun. But so here's, I, I, we went to Top Gun. I don't know, you might have been in the theaters with us. And I yeah, turned, we were right behind you. Oh, that's right, you were. I turned to my wife and I go, actually, it was Mark Dornkamp, and I said, the first the first plane that comes on, I'm letting out a woo. And my wife looks at me, she goes, No, you're not. I said, Yes, I am. Sure enough, as soon as that first plane came on, I went, Woo! <laughs> Mark Dorian Kemp looks over and he goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then here's the funny part. He was going to do it with me, but he wasn't sure I was actually going to do it. Yeah, it's like the one, wow. two, three jump. And yeah, and then, but I did, I did a woo twice because, I mean, how could you not? You get the Joe Santri on a like it was, okay. Oh, All right, so. My favorite thing about this the, time of year. The favorite, favorite thing about this time of year. My, I love the carnival. I love the carnival outreach and getting to go mm, to all the workers so and Evans United has been a faithful patron of Claire Lake and we are grateful for their business and that they come here um, and to get to know them. It's kind of like a home away from home for them. So I really love the Evans family that owns and operates the carnival. I love the what I call the giggler. I'm going to tell you guys a really gross fun story. Oh, I know this story. I do, but the, the listeners at home. You're welcome, have, John. I don't know that this would be an appropriate. This is an story. appropriate story. This is a good one. And the the <laughs> oh, ride is called the Genesis. And you said you said sir. I don't know. This, this feels almost like a like a first date story. It wasn't even a first date. We weren't even dating, and we were on, <laughs> we're at the carnival, and it's so fun. I dressed up real pretty, you guys. I had a really nice fun top on. I'm it was like red and it was color coordinated for red, white, and blue. Uh-huh. I did my hair. It was really nice. Uh-huh. And we go and we ride this, this ride called the Genesis. But first we rode the Kamikaze, which is like a double turning where around one where it goes upside down. I don't know anything about John Hopple at this point. Hardly anything. Yeah, and we get better. into our little like death trap of a, a like container that is the Kamikaze seats. And on the inside of these seats, there's throw up all up on the top oh, part. And I was like, oh, gross, gnarly, look at that. And John's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't at this time know that he suffers from pretty severe motion sickness. <laughs> 
And we do the comp- Sorry, I'm not meaning to laugh. Yeah. And he has, he doesn't react at all. I had no idea. I was like, cool, let's do another one. I have this really fun thing that, that I call. That was my mistake. That was my first Yeah, mistake. he didn't say anything. He was trying have, to man up for you. He's like, I have a, I a, a jank to fun ratio. Like the more janky a ride looks, the more fun it is. Yes. But sometimes there's a danger zone of like <laughs> too janky, but still really fun. Might be dangerous, right? The, the Evans United Carnival has a great jank to fun like line, I feel like. And so Kamikaze is one of my favorite. And then we go to the giggler, I call it, but because it just makes me giggle the whole time and it kind of spins you around and gives you butterflies in your stomach. And it's just like butterflies. Like constant <laughs> that constant stomach drop feeling, right? So we get on, we're having a good time, we start, and I see, I look over, I'm sitting by John, I'm like trying to make like fun eyes at him, like, oh I like Googling this guy, eyes. And I see his cheeks puff out. <laughs> And his lips like purse, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." And then his hand comes out and pierces it, like pushes against his lips, and it like holds his lips shut. And then there's something that spews out from the side, and I realize, "Oh no, he's throwing up." I'm in the line of fire, and I'm like, "Stop the ride!" And the worker is like, gives me a thumbs up, can't hear anything I'm saying. He's like, "Yeah, good time, good time, right?" And you know, yes. Puke we spews. And you still married everywhere. him. Yeah. I think we were coming to the end of the ride. the The problem, yeah. the problem was that uh, sometimes I forget that I have motion sickness, and so we rode the first ride, <laughs> oh, and I was like, forgot. Ah, yes. Sometimes I, I forget I'm allergic to peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I can, I feel like I can uh, kind of fight through it, and I, I didn't that time. No. So what I was going to say, my favorite part about the carnival of the corn dogs, that was. <laughs> And I also, I know John needs to answer, answer this question yet, but I really, the Clear Lake fireworks are really top yeah. notch. In fact, they're like known throughout the country for That's being right. the best of the best. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, I'm, it's pretty cool. We were only here a month when we first moved here when we got to experience the carnival. Oh, good for you. And we got to see the fireworks from the top of the dock, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah that's it was, my favorite place to watch it. It was awesome. I don't know if we're supposed to legally do that. I don't think it's an issue because we own the property. That's so true. there's no legal issues. It's just, you know, insurance issues. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just stay away from the sides. All right, well, so hey, okay, so we're in the This Is How I Fight. Yes. Okay, so Jennifer preached last week. Well done, Jennifer. Well Thank done. Kudos. Thank you for your Golf or clap. Golf or clap. Uh, we are in, we're now talking about, we're, we're in the series. So, okay, let's back up. Sorry, again. Woo, words, I have them. <laughs> so we're not dealing with spiritual warfare the typical way a lot of churches or pastors do where they just go through the, the armor of God from Ephesians 6. We're actually looking at whole spiritual warfare from, from a holistic perspective. So yes, we're talking about the armor of God as a resource, but right now we're talking about how do we resist the devil and how, what are the devil's schemes and how do we That's recognize right. them because... Uh, you know, I quoted Sun Tzu, uh, who was a Chinese general, like a thousand years ago or something like that. I uh, wrote the book, The Art of War. And often he's quoted as saying, is know your enemies. That's right. And it's actually a paraphrase of a much larger quote. But here's the thing. Unless we actually know how the enemy operates, we're not always aware when he's doing things. And so when the Bible talks about the devil's schemes, if you don't know what the devil's schemes are, if you don't know who, mm, how the devil operates. You just know there is schemes. <laughs> that's right. You have no idea what they are. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're finding yourself caught in the middle of them. So, Jennifer, last week you talked about words. And I wasn't here for podcasts because I took last week off. And so I, yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Good um, for you. Uh, but how dare you? How dare you? Pastors, they need time off too. It was uh, it 
it was I, the way I described it was this: it was not very much recovery, but it was restful. So Man, I got that's cool. Yeah, it wasn't recovery though, but it was a very restful trip or time. Um, but the words and the way the devil uses the words and what was the phrase again? I never say it the exact way. The the old the school. words that are spoken over you become the words spoken out of you. Mm. And we talked about this idea of garbage and garbage out, and that the problem with words and and here's I had somebody said this to me one time. Um, they were saying, Jason, when people are always talking or sharing garbage with you, that's the other part. Where do you take mm-hmm. garbage to How the do dump? You get, do you yeah. want to be a dump? Yeah. And I realized that I've made myself a dumping ground for people because I didn't value myself because of words spoken over me. That's right. And so then I would allow people to say things to me, not even always about me. Sure. So even think about like the power of gossip. How does the enemy mm-hmm. use gossip? Yeah. Well, gossip is a bunch of us essentially dumping on each other about somebody else, and it's us spewing garbage on each other. That's right. Well, that does affect us. I mean, yeah. if you ever been to the to the landfill here, like you walk in, you're like, "Ooh, I'm at the landfill." There's a smell to it. That's right. The problem is, what happens when you work there long enough? You stop smelling it. That's right. You become accustomed to it. It's and, the norm. And that's you have what, to retrain your brain. Yes. And people don't, and people smell it on you, but you don't smell it on yourself. That's right. You're like, that's I right. smell perfectly fine, right? <laughs> and then. And, and yet here's what happens. The enemy counts on that. That's yeah. one of his yeah. strategies is he knows that if you hear something long enough or if you're part of it, eventually it just becomes normal. It normalizes it for you. Mm-hmm. Well, this week we've been talking, uh, we talked about this idea of fear. Now I got full disclosure. I, I started uh, three weeks ago thinking through where I wanted to go with this. And this, this whole next part of this is how I fight is going to be talking about the devil's schemes and how we resist them. And originally I was going to talk about how we use work as a means of resisting the devil's schemes and that Satan's first uh, goal when he attacked Adam and Eve was he went after their mission. He knew that because they were given a task it's mm-hmm. called the, uh, the Eden mandate or the Edemic mandate, which was to go forth and multiply. They were supposed to cultivate the garden. And Satan's ultimate goal was to stop, to thwart human flourishing, because that was God's plan. That's right. And he didn't flat out lie to them. All he did was twist the he truth. He twisted God the truth. Really and that? he went after one thing to right. accomplish something else. Right. So originally I had this all set up that I was going to teach on human flourishing and how the jobs that we have, doesn't that every job is an opportunity to love and serve God and Amen. to resist the devil. And what the devil wants to do is to twist how we view work. Yeah, you know that phrase mm-hmm. of like your mission field is where your feet are. Yeah, and 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 that's human flourishing. Like that's what God everything in the world. And I was thinking about this. I went to Quick Star this morning and got a sandwich, Star. right? Oh my gosh. Their fried chicken. <laughs> it's so, so good. Nowhere else in town to get like really good fried chicken. I've heard Euro Place actually has really I have not I had it. I haven't either. Yes. So I've heard really good. That's anyway. a plug. We'll we'll charge them for the We love later. Clear Lake and all the businesses here. <laughs> we do. Uh so for those of you who don't live here, move here. It's a great place. Uh but Quality of life. Quality of life. Human so I was flourishing. thinking about this at Quick Star, right? The the woman who was at Quick Star, I was I was getting a sandwich this morning, and she was so kind, and she was like, "Hey, I hope you have a great morning." Mm-hmm. Okay, now I want you to think about that. That that little act mm-hmm. yeah. promoted flourishing in the world. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good for her. And I was like, "Wow, that's you know when I see every job, and people seem to think that there are there are like, jobs yeah. that like higher there are hierarchy of jobs that matter." You have no idea the impact. That's what I was going to talk on. Yeah. And then yesterday, as I was writing my message out, because the way I sermon prep is I study. So I read a lot of books. I listen to podcasts. I'm you always. Like to read? I do like. Uh, yeah, I do like. Yeah, like reading. I kind of like it. 
Um, but I do a lot of studying and then I kind of formulate. And then my actual writing of the sermon usually takes me four or five hours. But all the studying, all the other stuff, that's cumulative of 20 to 30 hours typically per message. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. And I don't think, I, pr- I really do appreciate it. That's not why I was sharing it. But here's what happened. So I get ready to start and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, I don't want you to preach on that. It's like, no, but I have all these cool thoughts and I but know where, wait, I know where I want to go with this, Lord. Things. I know all these things where I want to go. And, and yeah. here's what I felt like the Lord. And then I want to share, I want you guys to share all the affirmations this morning that were shared. So oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to write and I just felt the Lord go, no, you need to talk on fear. Yeah. That Satan right now is using fear, and he always has. But if there was ever a time, fear, and I can't, and I wrote my message, and 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 here's the struggle for me, and I shared this with Sermon Read Through, is that I really do take I take seriously my study time. I feel like that's the majority of my job is to take seriously the preparation of the Word of God, so that I'm handling it correctly. That that is a whole, high and holy task. So I take study seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't do all my normal prep. And so part of me, I felt very uncomfortable with the message, not the content, but the amount of time I put into yeah. it. Uh-huh. And so that's share this morning. So I come in and we're going to talk about fear today. Yeah. And and again, Jennifer just called out. She goes, you mean like fear of man, Jason? And I was like, oh, stop using my words against me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then this morning, uh, Sheriff, for those who are, yeah. do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, okay, so you. this morning we were all talking about like, um, for me, my devotional for the day was a Galatians text um, that was talking about uh, do I do I please man or do I please God? Yeah. And then yesterday my text was Galatians or Ephesians six thirteen through eighteen, but it was the Message translation, which usually I don't. I use it as a supplemental translation. I, I don't. I it's don't, good to hear the heart. It, it yeah. is. It really yeah. is. And alongside other, and I like to look at other translations. I'm trying not to be a translation snob, you yeah. guys. You got to look at other translations so you're not like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, nah, just it, King James version. Yeah, you, you can't be just. Yeah, it, it's it's healthy and good to look at other translations. They do yeah. a lot of work that you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And anyway, then I was looking at it and I said uh, I was talking about like be prepared. You can't do it on your own. Like you're at warfare yeah. and use every resource. God gives you and and it was just talking about this and then Kyla who's not here for the podcast was like um Jason the text that you just put here was literally my devotional this morning and then you had one too Jennifer yeah so two for me one we we continued kind of on our study of Saul which I uh you know, I was only assigned for the message last week to talk on words, uh, a spiritual warfare through words. And so, um, but I felt very strongly that the Lord was sending me to first Kings, uh, I'm sorry, first Samuel 18 and the story of how Saul spoke over David. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very, I think that's very affirming. Like yeah. we're going to, con- we're continuing yeah. to talk about that story and to see human war, like spiritual warfare through actual humans in the Bible. And then, um, secondly, um, my study time this morning was just about fear in general. And so, you know, you have three people on staff who are like literally today this happened and, you know, and so it's very prevalent and relevant. And one of the reasons why I really appreciate sermon read through and, and some people, um, I was, I was listening to a podcast that was actually saying one of the new innovative ways that you can transform your preaching is to invite other people into it hey, before you preach. Hey, look at us be ahead of the bell <laughs> curve. And, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I, I mean, but the reason, this is one of the reasons why we do it, is that I went in this morning really going, Discouraged. Oh, I don't know if I heard mm-hmm. you. Right. And and so part of it is, is there's there's that affirmation. Even I, even though I wasn't here last week, you and I had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Is 
the, sometimes the work that's done in sermon read-through isn't necessarily about, okay, you should say this instead of this, though that does happen. More often it's, uh, hey, don't use that, or hey, this is really good. Um, but it, it can be a very affirming time uh, when you're of your direction, wanting vision. to make sure that you're hearing well, the Lord because I'm not the only one who hears the and, Holy Spirit. The reality is this is, it's community life too, right. Yeah. right? This is how you, how you speak. You talk about battling the enemy. One of the ways that we resist is through Hear, letting other people speak into our lives and helping to dispel those lies that we're hearing or covering yeah. ourselves with, with truth. And you and can't so, do that. You, know you can't do that by yourself. That's right. That's right. Do you know how hard it is to speak, to, to speak truth over yourself, which is why we need community. Right. God's word. And yeah. it plays in that. All right. So let's, let's get back. So my, we're talking my, about this. My diva was just Jonah and the whale. So it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing people took away from my message. <laughs> for some, perhaps. <laughs> that was so, <laughs> Okay, so if you weren't there on Sunday last week, Jennifer goes, how many of you guys know the story of Jonah and the whale? And everyone's like, yeah, it's because we're not talking about that. I was just seeing if you were paying attention. It was and great. I had more people like, Jonah and the whale. And it's the funniest part. Like, I, I quoted Weezer's Undone, the sweater song, like three weeks ago. I've had so many people, hey, I just heard that song Undone from Weezer. Did, did you hear any other part of the message? Or did you just remember the song? All right, so Good let's. Thing we only have an audience of one. That's right. And it's that person sitting right in front of you. Who, no, I'm just, Jesus. I'm looking at you, Derek. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about, okay, our, our world around us. Why do you think so much of our news, our social media, why does it seem like fear is the only thing that really gets our attention? Whether or not it's outward, uh, overtly fearful. Oh. So I was even thinking about social media, like the fear of missing out or yeah. the fear of not looking good. It seems like everything is, what, why do you okay. think that, that that's what we're drawn to as humans? We had a conversation literally like five minutes ago before this, but I was listening to an inspirational speaker that just like, you come across these 30 second, one minute clips, you know, I'm sure it's from TikTok, but I deleted my TikTok. And he was talking about why humans lean towards negativity, why you can be driving down the interstate 80 miles per hour and there can be the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. Like so clearly God's handiwork. You're like, meh, and you keep driving, but there could be a car accident, and you slow down, and you rubber neck over, and you're looking, and you're looking for that fear, right, that negativity, and, like, we used to, as, like, cavemen, yep, I was gonna go look, yeah, we used to look for the things that could kill us, that could harm us, the negatives of the world, that's what kept us safe, that's why we're so drawn to it, because yeah. if I'm aware of it, I, I can't be snuck up on, you know, yeah. and I do think there's a lot of, I think, one, we don't have a healthy place to, um, to truly like expel our fear or to truly deal with our fear. So like in caveman days, what would you do? It would help you to fight, right? It'd help you to, it'd help you to battle or it'd help you to run away. And we don't really have avenues for that now. And we like safety. We like to think we're in control of our own safety. And so, and, and I think neurologically fear does something in our brain that then makes more, you know, neuro connections which then feeds more fear which then feeds more yeah. neuro connections and it takes a long time to actually undo that and to try and to try to think um you know more logically about it yeah. so it's it's really easy for content creators or news outlets or whoever to post something fearful i would oh, say yeah. negative but fear in this case like, oh, watch out for this. You'll never guess yeah, the, the new trend that's going on. Like, like, it's so easy to, yeah. to post that and have know that you're going to get responses. 
from people, engagement from people. So it's just set up that it way. It feeds too. that fear. Yeah. Well, and, and now our fear is rarely about physical harm as much right. as it is social harm. Right. Yeah. Am I going to be popular? Or secure, just or like a financial security. Yeah, cancel culture. Am I on the end? I mean, that's so... That was so much of what like Vogue magazine, Cosmopolitan, it played on the fear of you need to be cool, you need to be, oh, yeah. you need to be in style, yeah, bodies and things like yeah. that, diet culture. And so now we're we're of the social social insecurity, right? Of social security, it really. That's, That's funny. a good play on words. That was funny. Uh, it like a minute, but I it does social insecurity. <laughs> Coming <laughs> soon, design. <laughs> so when when and here's I think why Satan uses fear. He I think he understands that one we are wired by for fear and fear in its right place is a good thing yeah. I believe God gave us that ability to fear so that we understand well, there's that. the fear of the Lord it's, right. it's in a different context of the word and we are not beautifully and wonderfully made we are not perfectly we're and fearfully yeah. we are fearfully made yeah, fearfully just, and wonderfully made and, and even that so like there, I remember they'd show those studies where they'd show a baby and they'd put a glass table and they had it looked okay so I they had they, it had it was a checkerboard and they had part of it look like it would drop off it was on glass, and they would take babies, infants, and watch them crawl. And even though it was completely glass, because the child couldn't perceive the glass, they it would looked unsafe. They would only walk on where the checkered board was. Wow. Even though, and that was, so it was a whole study because it's about perception. And and so that's the thing is Satan understands yeah. that if he can make things look insecure, whether or not they really are, our tendency is to become insecure. Mm-hmm. And how affirming is that of like? why we drill in so much affirming your identity yeah. in Christ, that's where you're firm yeah. at. So I, I was, th- go ahead, John, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, I think it's interesting how quickly, just for myself, how quickly I can get caught back into a fear cycle or be afraid of something. And I'll catch myself later when I'm thinking about like, why am I acting like this? Oh, cause I'm, am I f- afraid of something? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I? Why do I fear this so much? As yeah. the way that I do, and it's it's so quickly that it happens, or so easily you can shift back into that mindset. Fear, and well, yeah. I mean, you look at fear, and even within the church. So, like, think about this. I, I think of the silly ways that fear moves in my head. Mm-hmm. So, if I get a call from somebody I haven't talked to in a while, immediately the thought that goes through what's my head wrong? Is, what did I do wrong? <laughs> what's wrong? What did I do wrong? Yeah. If you don't haven't talked to them in a while, yeah. Like, wow. if, so if somebody calls and hey, can we do lunch? My immediate response is. Oh, no. All right, what are they wanting to talk about? Gotcha. What, how did I offend them? How did I hurt them? But even, but here's the thing, even while the phone is ringing, yeah. I think you go, someone died. Yeah, uh, depending on who it is, yeah. If I, I mean, I, if I haven't talked to them in four well, years so, and they're calling me, you don't automatically yeah. think that they want to just see you. They just want like, to check in because no one would just call me and they call me. <laughs> okay. Well, but so I was talking about, so I was reading a book that was talking about some of the weird things we say to ourselves. And one of them was, is, you know, I got called in the office. I bet you I'm getting fired. Like how many of us immediately go to worst case scenario? Yeah. And okay, so go ahead. Finish I was going to say like that phone call scenario, like your answer was a little different. Your mm-hmm. answer was a little different. And I immediately, I, I was reading a, a demo that spoke to my life. We knew. And it was, um, this woman was talking about her husband had left early flight and she's not a morning person. So she was by herself getting the kids ready. Went to go start the car at 625. And it was dead. And her fear was that isolation feeling of, I don't have it. I don't have a six twenty five person that I can call, and I know they'd answer yeah. and come get me. And I was like, "Oh goodness!" I immediately was like, <laughs> "I just dipped into cold water." Like, what if I have no one that loves me enough to come and answer my call? 
Yeah. And it was like, whoa. And I immediately thought of that when you said, like, oh, when someone calls me, I was like, who am I going to call? <laughs> you know, one of, you know one, of the, the, one, of, one of the best compliments I received from a friend is I had a friend who said, Jason, I know I could call you at 2 a.m. and you'd come. Mm, that's funny. I was like, that's... I'm, Especially I, now because you don't sleep all the way through the night. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. Please. <laughs> Thanks real, for bringing real. up a pain Sorry. point. <laughs> I've been having problems sleeping recently because mm. of an injury. Mm. Not because my head's spinning. Yeah. Yes, we had a great... And I appreciate that prayer. Um, all right, so let's talk about the fear of people. So I, you know, I believe we use the story of Saul and King Saul. God really, something that a lot of people don't realize is they always assume that God gave them a king uh, as like he was shocked by it. That God was like, the, the Israelites were like, we want a king like everybody else. And that God's like, well, that's not my plan. And so here's the king you're going to get. But actually in Deuteronomy, God says, listen, when you ask for a king, God knew all along they were going to ask for a king. He always knew they were going to want one. And he prepared them in Deuteronomy by saying, and when you do, this king will have your sheep. He will have your daughters. That's because that's what kings do. Kings are human and human inspired creations, not God inspired. There's only one king. It's God. It's a result of creation. That's right. And, and so they, he wasn't, he wasn't shocked, maybe disappointed, but he wasn't shocked by their request for a king. So when they get King Saul, Saul looks the part. Saul stands head and shoulders of everybody, everybody else. He's a good-looking man. I was just reading a thing about how um, uh, uh, we tend to assume people are better leaders by their height. Yeah, we were talking about that yeah. last week. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I wasn't here. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's a very common thing yeah. is that you'll assume because someone's taller, they must... They'll also command more respect, right. even though they've done nothing to earn it. I think it's just the like actual physical looking down it on is. others. It was like, oh. Well, that's the that's the psychology rooted yeah, in it. Right. Is is that you assume if someone's taller, they've done something to earn that. Right. And right. I remember the Lord one time said to me, like, I we have some very tall people in my in our church. They did nothing to earn yeah. that. It's just genetics. It's not that's like right. they, I'm going to will myself taller. And yet, how do we treat them? And so that's they look at Saul. Saul looks the part. He's attractive. He's taller. He stood head and shoulders above everybody else. But he had a deep character defect. Now, that doesn't mean every tall person has character yeah. defects. So well, the reality is all of us. All of us do, right? Yeah. But because he looked the part, yeah. there was an internal issue. And one of Saul's greatest weaknesses was he was afraid of people. He feared people more than he feared God. Yeah. And you don't think of like the fear of like when fear of a spider like fear of people fear of a spider when i see a spider i scream and i run and i oh honey come kill the spider by the john, way i kill the spiders and it's, it's a different is kind john of fear. Is runs he, away? no i think he's just kind of is like you're not gonna bother me and i'm hey, not gonna spider, bother you man going? like they're you have they're a conversation the with a spider you name yeah. them charlotte yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that only happened once. But it's it's a different kind of fear. It's a sneaky fear. It's a people pleasing fear. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not like what we think of as like shock and awe. Ah! All right, so let's be let's be a little honest here. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, for years, I denied that I had a I was a people pleaser, and I've talked about this from the stage, or from the pulpit, or whatever language you want to use. Um, I realized about two years ago I am a huge people pleaser. I am terrified of what people think about me. But I guised it by going, I don't care. So I'd say I didn't care when in reality, my all that insecurities usually were played out about people and realizing how easy it is for me to fall into people pleasing. Oh, yeah. And I don't, I'm not afraid of heights, not afraid of spiders, not afraid of snakes, but man, people's opinions of me 
or a fear of disappointing people, that actually probably doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm the guy who, when I'm in a, in a car, I feel the need to carry on the conversation because if we're, we're silent, I feel like it's a reflection of me. Yeah. yeah. You're not, not a good conversationalist. Yes. Like I, there must be something wrong with me that they don't want to talk with me. And I'm like, then I go through my head. I wonder if they're thinking, oh, what if I don't talk? Does Jason think I'm not a good? Right. Does anyone else think is that? It just me? And then okay. there's other people who think, wow, this silence is wonderful. We can be completely comfortable together and not have to say a word and still That's, enjoy the And then the other person's sitting there in anxiety. <laughs> yeah. We should talk. We should talk. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. You want to know who I, I know who my closest friends are. It's people I can drive in a car with and say nothing. Because I, I don't just have that chill. insecurity. I can just chill. All right, so there's my my honesty of people-pleasing. If you feel vulnerable enough, oh, I, how is people-pleasing affecting for you? Fear of people. I, uh, so <laughs> Words? Well, it's just the... <laughs> for me, it really... And it really does help to know your Enneagram number. In my case, it's the eight and conflict. And so... I know for me, there will be many times that I don't, like, I don't engage in conflict that I know I should have because I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint or make someone not like me. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, so it's kind of an, it's kind of an interesting thing because most of the time eights like go at it and I do. Um, but see, I think even that's a cover, (laughs) for uh, well I don't care what people think about me I'll just I'll just do it no you I, I don't know for me I do yeah, like, I, I feel do like care. you do if I can like from what you've said before you you have no issue standing up for others yes or that kind of social I have a social but for me when it's like when I have when it's personal you're, to me socially, you're a social yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's a good way. Absolutely. Like, I would go to battle for anybody in here, and I don't care what you think about me. But if I have to go to uh-huh. battle for myself, I immediately, ass- I don't, there's a people pleasing component to that. It's like, oh, I'm not I, worth I it or what? I will self sacrifice so that I don't have to have the conflict, so that you and I don't aren't in a position where there's conflict between tension right. between us, and now you don't like me. I really, I, I, I kind of identify with what you were saying there that you you go to battle for somebody else and you don't care what other people think. And I was like, I wonder if there's a scenario with most people where people pleasing can come up and uh, affect you or you try to avoid it or, or, or um, lean into it. I was thinking for myself, you know, I, I come from a theater background and performing arts and choir and that sort of thing. And, if I got up on stage and somebody told me, all right, I want you to, I don't know, recite Shakespeare in a clown voice, <laughs> I would do it. And I wouldn't care necessarily what people were thinking about it. It's just, it's just kind of a performance. It's just, uh, not that it's not real all the time, but it's, I don't care. I'll, I'll commit to the bit on this, on the stage, but off of the stage, it's, it's a little bit harder. So the stage is a safety net. Right. Yeah, a little bit. It's your shield, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's like when I play, I, I can sing with five guitar behind me, uh, in front of me, but you take a guitar away and I'm like, ah. Making the note, don't let Jason acapella. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think mine, I love, Jennifer, that you went with the Enneagram because that really is just really, really useful language. It's a really useful tool to be able to put words to that. And I am a... I identify as a two most often. It's my general setting. 
And that's the helper. And, you know, my sin of choice that I fall into most often is pride. Um, and at my best, I'm altruistic. And my when I'm operating at my best, I'm really, really doing things for the right reasons. I don't care what anyone it's, it's I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's yeah. because I have a heart to love and give. Mm-hmm. But I find myself often falling into that trap of self-serving where it's like I'm doing this because I want you to like me I want you to love me I want you to think that I'm useful and worthy because in my head the lie is that I'm useless that I'm a waste of space and breath on this earth and if I don't work for it what's the point what a waste of God's creation why'd you use you know this meat sack and put me in it it could have been anybody else you know I feel like I have to earn it um and it's definitely something that I'm very self-aware of. And thank goodness for tools and community that can help speak life into you. That yeah. grace is a gift. You cannot earn it. And yeah. I have to tell myself that daily. And, and here's why I think this is so important. Is go back to the enemy. Satan, he doesn't know your thoughts, but he knows your actions. He knows the things That's that right. have happened to you, or at least his demons. You Satan, Satan's not all-knowing, but he knows about you, his enemies, his demons, or his demons do. Satan knows your weak spot. And this is why self-awareness is so important. Saul had, King Saul had any self-awareness. And if I, I think you can make an argument that part of what made David a great king wasn't because he was a good man. David made a lot of really He was bony. not a good man. He was, I, I would actually argue he did far worse things than Saul did. I could Saul care. never raped a woman. Saul, and so like, how can you call him good? No, I don't think. I don't. Well, think he did God, try to murder David on multiple occasions, though, as well. Yes, this yes. is true. He did. He did try. Never succeeded. Never succeeded. David succeeded. David actually got the job done. He got the job done, and yeah. I think. I think if you look at it, this is where sometimes, like, really, God, he was a man after your own heart. That's right. Yeah. Here was the difference between Saul and David. When David was confronted with the sin, he not only acknowledged it, he re- confessed and yeah. repented it. Yeah. And I think. The Psalms, what's so beautiful about the Psalms is you get a sense of self-awareness. David's acknowledging his brokenness. Oh, yeah. And like all of us, his brokenness got the best of him. And here's the thing. If you don't know, if Saul had been aware that he was a people pleaser, that he cared way more about his position and his title than he did the God who gave it to him, Saul wanted to be a great king. David wanted to serve a great God. A man after his own heart. That's right. And that was the difference. Saul was so consumed with looking like a great king that he was afraid of any, anything that could get in the way. So in the story, when they're going to battle and Samuel says, listen, I'm going to come. Don't fight until I get there. I'm going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and the Lord will make us victorious. And Samuel even says, it's going to be seven days before I get there. Now, here's the thing. Samuel did show up on the day seventh, but it was at the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. He didn't come when Saul, Saul thought, well, it's, it's seven. It's like me when, when I was a kid going to Disneyland. I'm like, it's 6 a.m. We're going, right? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. He was, he was expecting it. And Saul, his men are terrified by the size of the Philistine armies. Saul had faith in God. Saul believed that God would deliver them, right. but he didn't obey God because he was like, I don't want to look like a bad king. So I, good kings take charge. That's what good kings do. So what does Saul do? Saul sacrifices. His fear wasn't of God or even of the Philistines. His fear ultimately was of his men. You know, and I feel like what I, I'm just thinking about it of like obedience is such an easy thing to twist and misconstrue. Like oh, he yeah. thought he was being obedient. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was like, oh, but it's misguided obedience. There was a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. If only you know, that could be found somewhere. If only, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like misguided obedience 
still misguided. You and it's and it's still disobedience. And that's, that's what right. and that's what Satan plays on. And that's Saul, right. if we don't know, and I've had and I, that breaks my heart when I hear Christians say, "Well, you don't need any of that self awareness. All I need is Jesus." That's a, yep. And I'm like, well, that's great, but you're still being a jerk. <laughs> like that's like, and I I don't mean that cruelly, but I meet people that. They're religious. They'll use all the religious jargon. They'll say all the right things, but because they've not done the hard introspection, the search me, oh God, and know my yeah. anxious thoughts. Yeah. They don't ever change as people. And now, don't get me wrong. I'd rather have somebody who is relying on Jesus and maybe uh, is less self-aware than somebody who's completely self-aware and doesn't care about Jesus at all. Yeah. Right. right. But that's the thing is if, if Saul had an awareness of that, if Saul had recognized, man, I tend to care way too much, when the enemy, when that lie snuck in that said, "Oh, you need to, you need to be the better king here," he might have made a different choice. Yeah. When the when the men came to him and were like, uh, "Yo, king, uh, are are we going to fight this battle or not? Like, wh- what are we going to do here?" It's like, "Well, we're going to wait." Well, and, and that's the, the scary part is they didn't even come to him. Nowhere does it no, say that the no. men came to to Saul. Yeah. He saw them running and went, "Oh my gosh, I'm not being I'm a good king." Yeah. Isn't I got true of how I, our internal monologue can totally change our perception of yes. what's actually happening. And that's where yeah. what Satan that's does true. do is he whispers. That's right. He whispers those lies, or he or it's our own self. Sometimes I don't even need Satan that's to right. do that. Don't Sometimes give me so I'm much perfectly credit. okay. So now let's talk about this real real quickly because you know when we talk about it, the goal is to resist. So how do we resist those fears? And sometimes it's fear of man, but there are other fears, fear of failure, fear of feeling useless, fear of success. Um, fear of being wrong. Fear of being wrong. You fear of being fear right. Of losing your rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all of these things, how do we resist? And, and here are some of the tactics. And I think there are certainly more. I, Kate, I think it was you that brought this up is that in energy, that's when right. there's resistance and energy, it causes friction, which makes you uncomfortable and that leads to heat. And I think sometimes that's the reason why we don't resist is it feels uncomfortable. That's right. It, it, it puts pressure. It's like trying to hold. You ever taken two uh, nine volts and plug them in together and see who can hold on to it the longest? <laughs> Absolutely not. Really? But I have licked a nine volt. Yeah. That's how you tell if it's dead or not. That's right. Apparently and you every... can do that in easier ways, like with the voltmeter. But... No, but, but it's not as fun. That's fine. I mean, I haven't done either of those things. Really? I haven't truly lit. I've had people like, I've had people like, you seriously like a battery? Yeah, it's not, it's nine volts. It's not like it's going to kill me. It's just like a little tingle on the tongue. You're like, ah, that's, that's okay. So here are the tactics I had, and and I'd love to share, talk more about this. Fear of man? Well, not just fear of man. Oh, no, I meant with the battery looking. Yeah, the battery (laughs) thing. Um, So here are some of the tactics that I have, and I think there's more, but I kind of brought these down to a few. First is knowing our enemy. And I think the criticalness is, you know, who's not ultimately my enemy? People. That's right. Amen. It's not your husband. It's not it's my not husband. It's not your boss. It's not your kids. It's not a, it's not a Republican or a Democrat. Amen. It's not a president. It's not, right. it's not legislation. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't act like enemies. That's right. It doesn't mean the enemy doesn't use them. That, that's, that's right. right. The enemy I mean, still the enemy uses, uses them. me. And, uh, and yeah. so that's the part, like, I mean, okay, let's, I'm going to be rather extreme here. Hitler was an enemy to the Jews. But Hitler was under the influence of willfully, willfully under the influence of evil. And and it doesn't mean that Hitler wasn't a bad man, didn't do bad things. And I think this is, if you read Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this is part of how do we handle. Sometimes people are the enemy. Jesus had enemies, but our ultimate enemy, the one who is directing things. This is, this is honestly, if you were to read the book of Revelation, I would argue the primary book of the purpose of the book of Revelation is to unveil, which is what Revelation Reveal, Apocalypse yeah, means. Right. 
is what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, well, so, even when Peter is like saying, Jesus, don't do this. You're not going like, to die. I'll never let you die. That's right. And, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Not Peter, quit being my enemy. Yeah. Right. And, and so first we have to know our enemy. And it, that is important. That's Sun Tzu, but I think Jesus said it before. And I think the Bible has been affirming of this. We see it throughout. The second, and this is the one that's harder, is to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Self-awareness is scary. It's hard. It can be hard to look in the mirror and see your flaws and go, oh my gosh. Eh. To really to really accept it. It's one thing to look at it and go, well, yeah, maybe this is a thing, but yeah. I think I can justify it. Like, and, like a lot of the decisions, you were making me think, Kate, with the Enneagram thing, like, the ideal for, I'm going to use myself as an example, the ideal of a nine is to be the one who is the mediator, who comes in and makes peace between different groups and different peace. points. But like, I think I can justify my action where I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of like unrest and tension here. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to keep the peace. With it, and then we <laughs> won't talk about keep it and we'll be peaceful. Peace. It's like, yeah. that's not the same thing. But I think I can justify it in my mind. And Satan does know your weak spots. That's right. Mm-hmm. Who is uh, Achilles? Yeah, his uh, heel. Yeah, he had he had a, he was the strongest man, greatest warrior, but he had one one weakness, his heel. And and I wonder how many Christians somehow think, well, all I all I need is Jesus, so I don't have to worry. And the enemy's like, yeah, fair game. And I wonder how many pastors fall, how many leaders, how many Christians end up in affairs or addicted to alcohol or gambling or pornography because they're, they're not, they don't think self-awareness matters. That's right. And I think we can worship at the altar of self-awareness where we make it that's all right. the yeah. So yeah. that's, be careful. That's the danger of the Enneagram, right? Yeah, that's right. Now all of a sudden you, you become the fix. You're fixed. justifying your personality. Or you're or stay there. Or what the Enneagram has to say about you somehow speaks louder than what Christ speaks. That's right. Or you fixate on it to now all of a sudden it's all about, I've got to become self-actualized. No. Yeah. I don't need to be self-actualized. I need to be Jesus-actualized. I'm actually kind of sick of myself, and that's what it helps me find out. Yes! <laughs> Thank <laughs> Preach, sister. Okay, so then here's the third one, is so that we had to know, know the enemy, we need to know ourselves. But now you need to know your identity and the source of Amen. security. Amen. You know, when we're talking about, sometimes I think Christians get a, a, certain kinds of Christians get a bad rap of like, oh, all you talk about is your identity, your identity, your identity. And like, why do we, why do we keep drilling that home? Because that's that's the core of you <laughs> yeah. when everything, all those fear-based, you know, issues come up and it goes back down to what the root is. You yeah. don't know your identity. Yeah. Because if you did, you would not question that lie. And I would I would add to that, you don't know who God is either. Amen. You and so you are an image bearer. Because you are an image bearer. Amen. But, but even in that, if someone comes up to my son or my daughter and says, that's not your dad. You're not, you're a, not Miller. a Miller. You're not a Miller. You're not. No, you're not. My children know they're my kids. That's, right. uh, that's not true. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with a good friend about, you know, somebody had said something about them, about their character. And he was, and he was like, man, I feel so beaten down about this. But that's why we live above reproach. Because yeah. if somebody had said that to me about you, my friend, I'd laugh in their faces. I know that's not true because I know their identity. I, my youth pastor taught me this phrase we had. It was called the 10 non-negotiables. And I, wow. Thirty years ago, I still remember mm. this. It takes a lifetime to build up a reputation, one unguarded moment to destroy it. Right. Amen. Wow. And this is why. Now, here's the here's the downside of that. What that created in me was a sense of fear. I need to work and hard and fear. Wow. Yeah. But the ultimate goal in that is is that if we align ourselves with Christ, 
Yeah, I can destroy my reputation, but my reputation is not all I have. Amen. I was going to say, there's a lot of things that people can slot into the identity slot. That's right. That ultimately won't last or then creates the fear we're talking about of, I need to do all I can to make sure that my identity stays solid. Yeah. And then this goes back to our security. My, mm-hmm. my security comes in my namesake. There's a reason why we have last names. Right. Our last names are what separate us. And, and so think of, I mean, there are tons of Jennifers and there might be other Jennifer Colby's out there. But when I say Jennifer Colby, who works at Zion, who's five foot four and has brunette hair. And well, now all of a sudden I know, but really those are descriptions. When I say right. Jennifer Colby, who fights for injustice, Jennifer Colby, who's now all of a sudden we have a sense of who we are. Yeah. Our names matter, which interesting thought. And it's just a thought because we don't know for sure. Why is it that we get new names in the book of life? Mm. Mm. That when we go to be with Jesus, he gives us a new name because I think that name is going to re- be a reflection of who we really are, not who we believed we were. And isn't that a cool reflection of just like thinking about, you know, the adoption in biblical times, you cannot lose your inheritance when you're the adopted. Only, ones, yeah. only, you know, we think of like our own child or like blood child, but this adoption means so much more. You were chosen. You were plucked out of this Which place. You were why. chosen. Mm-hmm. And we are adopted into sonship and yeah. daughtership of the one true king, and we do get a new name. We do get it. Which is yeah. why adoption is so important to the heart Amen. of God. Amen. Um, so the fourth one is claim your authority. Uh, In the name of Jesus. Well, it's okay. <laughs> you, I remember there was a scam that the email used to go around. Uh, you've, you know, you've inherited a million dollars. You just need to claim it. Nigeria. From Nigeria. From Nigeria, yeah. right? Yeah, we were best friends. Yeah, you just, if you just need to claim it. But there actually the is. So here's the thing. We actually do have an inheritance. We That's have authority. Right. But it's unclaimed for so many of us. Mm, that's right. We've actually not gone and actually picked it up. It's like leaving my luggage at the airport and knowing it's there and going, ah, oh, I don't need it. Well, yeah. it's my luggage. Like that's unclaimed baggage. It's unclaimed baggage. But and then, then the fifth one is then choose trust and obedience. If you trust but you don't obey, then you don't really trust. And if you obey without trusting, you're trying to earn something. That's right. Mm. And so I, I put these five as how we fight fear because fear at the root of all of them. If I understand when I hear that lie that says, Jason, you need to please people, if I can look at that and say, wait, did I feel like God has called me to do this? Now, that doesn't mean I always hear God well. And I think that's where the God desires my intention. My desire was to serve him, and sometimes I screw that up. But at the heart of what we're looking at is I think God is really pressing into us is that the enemy, ultimately what he goes after us for is our identity. Yeah, He wants to screw with who you think you are and you know, that who do you think you are? And I think right. sometimes isn't that the lie that the enemy brings? Did God really say that? Yeah. Who told you you were naked? All right. So I want to end with this and we've got, we got two minutes, but here's the last question. Okay. Um, if you had one word of encouragement for people fighting fear right now, or a, a, a sentence of encouragement, not a whole dialogue, a sentence of encouragement for people fighting fear right now, what would it be? I think obedience seems scary you know a leap of faith you're stepping into especially if if you're fighting fear of the unknown i don't know what's going to happen and i have to trust god that he's going to take this obedience and honor it that stepping against fear doesn't mean you're not afraid it means you're overcoming the fear and obedience comes with freedom that fear doesn't control you. Don't give it real estate. If you think that your brain, you're trying to make your mind 
a good, healthy, great neighborhood, don't let fear move in. I love that. Don't give it real estate. That's don't good. give it real estate. Mm-hmm. Don't give fear it real has estate. no control over you. Okay, that's good. That was a long sentence. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I no. couldn't wrap it up. No, no it's I'm okay. Trying, no, it's trying to we landed the plane. We're good. Mm-hmm. Sully. Do you want me to go? Sure. Um, God is faithful, and he is faithful even when you're faithless. And so you might not fully trust in those moments. Actually, I'm going to stop talking because that was a sentence. But anyway, God is faithful even if you're not. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my sentence would be remember his promises because there are a lot of them and there are a lot of things that God has said he will do that he has done and will continue to do and it's really hard in the moments to remember those things which I think for myself I know that I've had that come up repeating the promises of God over and over and over again really solidifies them in my mind and makes it a lot easier for me to uh, step into fear. So fight the fear with promises? Yeah. I think mine would be this, is that you can't be afraid of what you know. Not truly afraid. No. Is what I mean by that. If I know the lie, I don't have to be afraid. I know the truth. That's the kind of fear we're talking about. Well, hey guys, this has been good. I, I think we spent the first 15 minutes talking about absolutely nothing, which was awesome. That's right. That's hey, great. it's lake time. It's 4th of July. Yeah, buddy. You need to be able to unwind. It's good. Well, hey, I so appreciate this. Uh, this has been a good one. Continuing to hear positive things from people listening. If you found this podcast helpful, do us a favor. And this actually does help us from an analytics perspective. If you're listening on on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you can like this, put some star ratings. Um, we really do. I believe God. Is, I know God has used this. Uh, people have told me that this has had an impact, and we'd love to get more. So when you like or share this, or you leave a comment, that actually gives us more analytics, which puts it out there. Uh, so if you found this helpful, share it, like, share a comment, and uh, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. And I'm John. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.